funny story about this subject before we start. Okay. That's okay. So I was not originally scheduled to teach tonight, um, but when I received the email asking me to pray about teaching, and then when I was told what the subject matter was, I thought, I was thinking, nobody wants to touch this subject with a 10-foot pole. So the email said that they needed the, the right person to teach this. <laughs> and so I thought, well, yeah, uh, they need somebody to teach this who's made really bad decisions. So I would be perfect, right? Well, and then I went into myself, like Pastor Rob said not to do yesterday, and I thought, well, no, they only asked me because I've made so many bad decisions, right, but the story gets better. So a day later, I'm praying with someone, and I mentioned that I was praying about, you know, we pray in the morning before I counsel, and I was praying, I said that I was praying about um, teaching, and without hesitation, she said, oh, well, which one are you teaching, the one about the women who made bad decisions? (laughs) And of course, I was like, well, yeah, of course, how could you guess? But no, really, I am not up here because of my bad decisions, which have been many. I am up here because of what Jesus has done for me in saving me, putting my sins and my bad decisions as far as the east is from the west. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, and we are so grateful for your spirit. We're so grateful for your word, and we are so grateful that, it, that it's your power that crushes the enemy under our feet. And Lord, as we just talk tonight about the heart and strongholds and just the things that the enemy uses to try to keep us down, we're going to crush those lies, and we're going to do it by your spirit, with your word, and with your help. So just go before us, speak deeply into our hearts, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight I have named uh, my message, The Heart of the Matter. And every time I teach, I know that all teachers would say this, but whatever you're teaching about, the Lord makes you really go through it the week before you teach. So I have one more illustration that the Lord showed me this week, and then I'm going to stop making it about myself, because I know none of you do that, right? Uh, I was um, studying uh, about each one of these women and their bad decisions, and I realized that I can't be too hard on them, because in reality, um, I have thought like every one of these women And I have made every bad choice that they have made at one point or another in my life. So a situation occurred this week where someone that I was very close to in my past only has weeks to live. And I had the opportunity to FaceTime with her and her family because I wasn't able to go see her. And so we talked and we said our goodbyes, which was very sad. But when we hung up, I realized that the group of people that I had been FaceTiming with um, remember me only by my bad choices. And it was very humbling to me to realize that I can't judge these women. But what I can do is learn from them and learn from my own bad 
decisions. I can learn and continually apply what Jesus has done for me on the cross. So for, for time's sake, I'm not going to teach on every scripture. I hear it puffing. Um, that we read about, but what I would like to focus on is how these women got to each of the decisions that they made and also the bad, bad counsel that they gave. So this week we read about um, Lot's wife disobeying and uh, turning into a pillar of salt. We have Potiphar's wife lusting and not getting her way and seeking revenge. And then there's Haman's wife, who out of pride and revenge counsels her husband to commit murder. And then we have Job's wife, who out of her grief tells her husband to curse God and die. And finally, we have Ananias' wife, who is deceptive but wants to look really good on the outside. So tonight we're going to look at some heart theology and explore the true condition of our hearts. What God has to say about our hearts and how he enables us to make good, wise, biblical decisions. And every decision that we read about this week with each of these ladies are not decisions that just automatically popped up. Their choices were the final result of a deeper process that originated in their hearts. And there's a deeper process that originates in our hearts as well. So what I want to do is break down for you what occurred in our bad choice ladies of the Bible and what also occurs in our own hearts as we make choices. So first of all, what is the heart? Well, the heart is the biblical word used to describe our inner man. The heart is the immaterial or the non-flesh part of a person that includes our thoughts, our beliefs, our desires, our mind, our feelings, our motives, and our emotions. And it's often referred to as the control center of our being. So what we think, believe, and desire in our heart is what is acted out by our material body or our flesh. So then, as we repeat behaviors over and over, they become habits or patterns of our lives. And the basis of all behavior is found in our hearts. And that is why Proverbs 4.23 says, to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of of your life. So I want to ask you ladies, how have you trained yourself to respond to certain situations in your life? And what automatic behaviors do you know that you struggle with? Our hearts reflect and reveal what we are like on the inside as did the hearts of these women that we read about this week. So the starting point for every decision we make always needs to be God. He's the one who made us. He's the one who knows how we work. And he's the one who can fix us. So what does he say about the condition of our hearts? Well, Genesis 6-5 says that the Lord saw 
that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And there's a whole lot more scriptures on the heart, but I think you get the point. So a deceitful heart is bent on satisfying me, having my own way, living for my pleasures, making me the center of my universe. Does this sound like anybody you guys read about this week? And Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, as a man or a woman thinks in his heart, so he is. So let me ask you this. Has anyone ever said to you, what were you thinking? Or have you ever asked yourself, what was I thinking? Our thoughts direct the course of our lives, ladies, because what we think or believe about things determines how we respond to them. And I have the opportunity and the blessing to meet with women every week. And one of the main themes that I see every week is wrong thinking. I meet with women who think and believe things about themselves, about life, and about the Bible, that when I ask them, why do you think that, or where did you learn that, they are not even able to answer me. They don't even know why themselves, and they say, hmm, I never thought about that. It's just always been that way. No, it's no, no, no. So I'm going to give you a really profound statement here. And it is you have to think about what you're thinking about. (laughs) Really, you have to think about what you're thinking about. You don't just think it because it's there. Our thoughts form our opinions. They create our belief system. And they fan the flame of our desires. And what we think determines our emotional mood. And it causes us to have various feelings. And our thoughts always come before our emotions. And our emotions and our desires are a result of our thought life. So if your thinking doesn't line up with God's word, you need to throw it out. But just a little caveat here, you have to be in his word to know if your thinking lines up with his word. Just, just saying. Paul encourages us in Romans 12.21 to take every thought captive, to make it obedient to Christ. And when I read this, I thought, that's amazing. Even our thoughts obey God when we give them to him. So all this heart stuff just shows us that we need help, right? And James 4 gives us some more insight into our hearts. And he tells us that there is a war of desire raging within us. And he tells us we are spiritual idolaters. 
he tells us God is passionate for us and we should be faithful to him. He tells us to humble ourselves and purify our hearts. And he tells us that our loyalty is divided between God and the world. You and I are always desiring something. God made us with desire. So for us to stop desiring is impossible because when you quit desiring, you're dead. But because of the fall, we have this war that rages in our hearts. And Paul Tripp calls it a within-you war. It's a direct attack on God's within-you kingdom. He says control is the purpose of war. So it is with our desires which fight for control of our hearts. What controls your heart will exercise inescapable influence over our lives and our behavior. So in the heart of everyone is this battleground of competing desires. So let me give you an example. So how many of you had a battle within your heart about coming tonight? For whatever reason, you were tired, hungry, long day, your kids wanted you to stay home, your husband, whatever. The desire that wins will always shape your behavior, and so here you are. But our deepest battle is the desire for things that are here on the earth. People, possessions, recognition, control, acceptance, attention, comfort, revenge, And we saw every one of these competing desires in the choices of the women that we read about this week. These things compete with the Lord for the rule of our hearts. So we have these legitimate desires that take our hearts and they hold a position of authority and control in our hearts. And this could be called a stronghold. But the truth is that all authority of our hearts belong to God alone. So whenever we give the rule of our heart over to something or someone other than God, we become spiritual idolaters. We all default to worshiping and serving created things rather than worshiping and serving our creator. It is a battle. But thank you, Jesus, that God did not leave us there. All of our human desire has to be held in submission and surrendered to a greater purpose. And that purpose is desire of God for his kingdom. And God's desire is that our hearts would be completely his. So how do we practically do this? What is our part in being victorious over our own hearts? And how do we not habitually make the same mistakes that these women that we're studying about tonight made? So I want to give you four practical points from God's word to help us with the struggle of our hearts. And how to live that victorious, resurrected life that is already ours through Jesus Christ. So I've called these the four C's of choice. And they are consider... Confess, commit, and change. And the first one is to consider. And again, we have to think about what we're thinking about. We need to look at our behavior and examine our hearts through biblical eyes. 
Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And I just really want to encourage you and to challenge yourself with your thought life. If it doesn't line up with God's word, be determined with God's help to throw it out. When we consider what we're thinking about, we start to expose strongholds of thinking. And we start to realize that our behavior reveals more about our own hearts than it does about, and I want you to hear this, it reveals more about our own hearts than it does about the difficulties of our circumstances. And you cannot do this alone. You can't do it alone. And that brings me to my next point. Number two is confess. When we honestly and purposefully look at ourselves in the mirror of Scripture... The Lord will help us to identify sins of our hearts and behaviors that need to be confessed. James 5.16 tells us, Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. And ladies, we all find confession difficult. But confession is absolutely necessary if we are going to change. Confession helps us to remember that our lives belong to the Lord. And honest confession flows from a heart of worship, and it causes a deeper, more complete worship of God. And our third point is commitment. This is where we learn the biblical desires that God would want to control our hearts. In Ephesians 4:22 through 24, we number 1 consider and number 2 we confess and we're essentially putting off the old man. And when we commit to the new ways God is calling us to live and the new habits God is calling us to learn, we make a conscious decision to commit ourselves to God and to his word. And the proverbs are packed full of wise decisions versus foolish decisions. And God tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1. He tells us how to live wise lives and make wise decisions. And God is worthy of our worship even if we don't understand. Even if our circumstances are hard. Even if we suffer because of our own sin or the sin of others against us, we can still trust God with our hearts. And Jesus came to prove that to us when he came as a human and died on a cross. So we would be able to give our hearts to him and he would be able to live his life through us. God is unwilling to settle for anything less than our hearts. And I want you to know, if, if you don't know Christ, you have no power over your wicked heart. You have no way to fight the spiritual battle 
for your heart. So please, if this is you, don't leave here without talking to someone who can help you. And the fourth point is change. And here's another profound statement for you. Change doesn't take place unless change takes place. (laughs) Your insight, your commitment are not change. Knowledge that's not applied is not biblical wisdom. Our insights, our commitment, and the knowledge of God's word have to be applied to our daily living in order for change to happen. And change comes when we have a deeper personal understanding of God and a more careful and determined application of God's truth to our lives. And change, ladies, is a lifelong process called sanctification. And praise God that he's the one that makes things grow. And it's the power of his Holy Spirit that allows the change to occur. It's a beautiful, supernatural thing. And Romans 12, 1 through 2 tells us, In view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Change is not easy, and we need help from God and each other in this process. And our thinking, our believing, our desiring, and our wills must be surrendered to God. And I want to go back to our study for a moment before we close. And towards the end of the study, it talked about legacy. And these stories are being read for eternity. And when you think about these women, you think about the legacy that they left behind, that you've all been studying all week long. And we will leave behind a legacy as well. And our legacies are built by the choices that we make. And some of our choices are big, you know, following Christ, marriage, career, children, And then we have other choices that are small, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what our car we're going to drive. But each choice that we make, whether it's big or small, it has a quality to it. And the quality of our choices depend on the motivation behind the choice, whether it's to please God or whether it's to please self. So I want to ask you all a question again. How will you make choices in a way that will build your legacy rather than tear it down? And the Apostle Paul is a great example of legacy building. And he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And the older I get, the more I realize I do not have to recreate the wheel. And there are so many godly women who have gone before me, who have missed the potholes, missed the quicksand. And I have intentionally sat down with some of them and said, 
I want you to teach me everything you know about life, godliness, business, children, whatever it is, teach me. And I hang on their every word because they have gone before me and, and they wear Jesus. And I want to encourage you, there are women all around you that are filled with Jesus and filled with wisdom. And these women, these women would love to pour into your lives and help you and teach you and walk with you on your journey to become more like Jesus. So, you know, look around <laughs> and find someone who wears Jesus all over them and learn from them and listen to them and imitate them. And let's help one another guard our hearts, make godly and wise decisions as we follow hard after Jesus. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that you are the only wise God and you know everything that's in our hearts. I pray for these ladies. I pray for... When they go into their groups, Lord, I pray when they go home tonight and lay their head on the pillow that they would ponder if there's anything in their hearts that would be not pleasing to you, if there's any changes that need to be made, if there's any confession that needs to be done, if they need to think about what they're thinking about, Lord, if there's women that... that need to come into their life, I pray that they would be humble enough I pray I would be humble enough to let people in, let women in, and um, that we would help each other in this battle of our hearts, Lord. We give our hearts to you tonight. We praise you, we love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.